Right, we'll be reading again from Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, verse 25. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. As I mentioned this morning, we'll be looking at the fifth man. We look at this passage of scripture and think, well, there's four main characters. We have the victim, of course, that kind of sets the stage for things. We have the priest and the Levite, who, of course, dropped the ball. Uh, they clearly knew their obligations here and had an opportunity to do something, do something big, do something good, and they, they pretty well blew it. And then you have the Samaritan. And, of course, the Samaritan, uh, as we see, of course, the, the major lessons here, and, and this man, rightfully so, gets the credit for doing what needed to be done regardless of the inconvenience, regardless of the cost, uh, regardless, of course, of any risk that may have been uh, taking place. He invested time. He invested money. Uh, and he did what needed to be done. He did the right thing. Uh, and a lot of times, we'll close the parable out and we forget one more man. And one more man is, is not mentioned in hardly any of the commentaries. In fact, I couldn't find a commentary this man is mentioned in, and that is the innkeeper, the fifth man. And we can't leave him out because there's a big lesson as we look at the fifth man in the parable of the Good Samaritan, Luke chapter 10, beginning verse 25. Would you stand as the scriptures read, please? And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the stories of Jesus. And we thank you for the stories that Jesus told. We know there are lessons here and lessons that we need to, to learn and we need to remember. And we ask they would find their place in our heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. says he went to the man and bandaged him up, poured in oil and wine and put him on his own animal. Obviously, he was traveling with an animal, uh, probably a donkey. He put him on the animal and he brought him to an inn. There's a particular word that's used for the, for the term inn in uh, this passage of Scripture. This is the only time it's used in the New Testament. Now, you might say, no, wait a minute. We remember the Christmas story. 
the Christmas story where Jesus was born in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. What about that? Quite interesting. There's two words that are used for inn in the New Testament. Kantalima, that's a Greek word for the word that we have in in uh, chapter 2 of Luke, chapter 2, verse 7. There was no room for them in the inn. Now, this word means a very primitive shelter, more like a pole barn, if anything, or even they say may even been like an open cave uh, for people just to stop and rest their animals and so forth. And it, a lot of towns had that. You know, of course, Bethlehem was a small town. About all they had was, of course, this primitive uh, open-air structure of sorts and had a common area where you could put your animals, and there was no room in this primitive structure, and so they were out there where the animals, and they laid him in, in the manger there. So that word is a word for inn. It's a word for somewhere for people to stay, but there was not much to it. Now, the word that's used in here, and since the only time it's used in the New Testament, is panzosion. Now, this is a more developed hotel. This is what we would know as a hotel, and it would be a very nice place. It's more developed, and we know it just about have to be as you look at how it applies in the story. Now, they had some excavations along the road that we call the Jericho Road from Jerusalem to Jericho. It looks like it's just about a footpath now. They still have that open, and hikers can hike down through there, and at one time, Part of the, the motor road went down through there, but they've since bypassed all of it. But there's still sections of it, and it's just more like a trail. Well, that's what they had then. That's how they made uh, their way down. Now, they excavated along this trail, the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, and they discovered the remains of two inns. Now, one was very close to Jerusalem. It's very doubtful that would be it. Uh, but the other one is on a high ridge, on the most dangerous part of the road. So it starts to make sense. Now, as they excavated, they said this was some fine hotel. It had a big open courtyard out front with a fountain in it. So we understand this was uh, something. This was a nice place. Uh, obviously, of course, as we look through here, this man was a regular traveler, and this is where he wanted to stay. So he stayed in the most secure hotel. You know. 10, 15, 20 years ago, a lot of times when you would stay, uh, as we'd go on vacation, you'd stay at what they call the motor lodges. That meant when you opened the door to your hotel, you were out on the sidewalk. You ever stayed at one of those? We stayed at them. I'd never stay there right now if I, if I didn't really just have to. I like to go to the Hampton Inn or the Holiday Inn where you can go inside and go down a hall and open up your door there. But I remember so many times we would stay at these places where you open your door on the, if you were on the ground floor, you were walking out of your door in the parking lot. Well, th this was a better hotel than that. This was a nice one. So he stayed at this nice hotel. Now, and he went and he let him have a room for the night and he took care of him. Well, the next day he had to go about his way. So he took out two coins, gave them to the innkeeper and said, please take care of him. And when I come back, I'll pay you whatever extra it is. Now, he gave him enough for a week or two when you gave him counting food and care and that sort of thing. Some scholars say it could have been as much as a month 
Uh, we don't know uh, exactly how long he could have taken care of him, but the first thing we realize here is the innkeeper could be trusted. He could be trusted. He could be trusted with something really precious. Said, yeah, he gave him two coins. That's two days' wages. No, no, no. He could be trusted with this man's life. He could be trusted with this man's care. Now, this uh, traveler, the Samaritan, had compassion on this man. So he'd already developed some, some love and care and concern for this man. And he knew he had to leave him in safe hands. So he came to the inn and he knew that he could trust this guy behind the counter. And he says, I have to leave him. I have to go. And I'm going to leave him here. Could you take care of him? And he knew this man would take good care of him and expend the effort. Now, we talk about the Good Samaritan. How much time did the Good Samaritan have invested in this guy so far? Less than 24 hours. How much time did the innkeeper have? We don't know. But we do know, just by reading through how bad this guy was and how much money he gave him, the innkeeper invested more time in this man than the Samaritan did. So we realize, wow, this guy could be trusted. And he could be trusted to be honest about the charges. Because here's what he said. Take care of him. And if you spend any more for him, I'll pay it when I get back. In other words, he handed him a blank check. And he could trust him not to take advantage of the situation. He handed him a blank check. He knew the guy could be trusted with the care of this man. He knew the guy could be trusted with the two coins that he gave him. He knew the guy could be trusted with a blank check. You see, as we look at this story, and of course the, the whole, the whole uh, narrative of the story, here was a man who was half dead and somebody took care of him and rescued him. And of course we point at the Samaritan. But the honesty and the integrity and the diligence of the innkeeper would be crucial to carry on the work that the Samaritan started. And for this parable to have a happy ending, so to speak, this innkeeper is very important. What else about this innkeeper? Well, he shares something with the Samaritan. The innkeeper could trust somebody. Now, that's important. That's important. You see, here's this guy, and obviously he comes through there because he said, I'll be back to pay you. And so, and obviously he had some feeling that this man would do what he asked him to do. Who wouldn't have left him in his care? How long would the victim's recovery take? We don't know. Don't know. He gave him enough for two weeks, three weeks lodging, uh, including, of course, the extra expenses. How much would that cost? We don't know. When would the Samaritan come back? We don't know. Would he come back at all? We don't know. But you see, the innkeeper had to trust him. That's an important trait because there are times where you'll run into people 
who don't trust anybody. They cannot reach out and trust anyone. They have a hard time with relationships. and They have a hard time <clears throat> working with people. They have a hard time being in a team effort because they can't trust people. They can't trust people. Now, here are the qualities both of these guys shared. They could be trusted, but they could also trust. And you see, to, to trust other people, absolutely essential if we're going to get anything important done for the cause of the master. Sooner or later, we've got to trust each other. Of course, we have to earn that trust, but then we've got to step out and take the risk sometimes and trust somebody and trust each other. You see, the Samaritan started something, and he said, would you carry on what I've started? Would you take care of this guy? And you see, all of us have a work to carry on the work that Jesus started. Jesus started the work of reaching souls for the gospel. And he says, would you carry on? Would you carry on and, and help take care of these people and help with these wounded people that I've rescued? Would, would you do that for me? And you see, that's what the church does. We continue to reach out to people who are half dead and, and hurting. And to do a good job of it, we've got to trust each other. And we've got to work together. Paul said it this way in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. There are many scriptures that we could read about working together and trusting each other and, and being trusted and doing our part. Uh, there are a lot of these things. You've already heard them. And I think you, you get the point. But I like this passage of Scripture. I like this passage of Scripture because the, the words kind of come together and there's some key words we never want to forget. The book of Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, listen to this, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Working what? Together. You can say, y'all go out there and work hard. You ought to put some effort into it and put some individual effort into it. Well, that's important. But sooner or later, in our Christian walk, we have to learn how to work with other Christians and work together. And you see, we have a work to do that Jesus started. Wasn't it a beautiful work to take care of this guy? Isn't it a beautiful story that he, that he stopped and he, he scooped him up and he carried him to the end and then he said, I want you to finish it up. You see, this is, only has a happy ending that they work together. And you see, the happy endings of all the folks that God wants to, to rescue and save and bring into his family, it has a happy ending when we can be trusted and then we learn how to trust each other. Is there any word before we close? Let's all stand and be dismissed with a word of prayer.